I guess we will. But we continue today in our series in Galatians with the thought of plus nothing. It is by the grace of God that we're saved and only by the grace of God that we're saved. There's nothing we can do on our own in order to earn our salvation. It's plus nothing. It's only because of God. That's why we needed Jesus. It's because of our sin and because we can't save ourselves. It's why we need grace. We're going to, I'm going to read to you from Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 5 this morning. You don't need to stand today, but you can follow along on the board if you like. Or you can open up to it in your own Bibles to follow along throughout today's message. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 5 says this. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? We're going to dive right into scripture today. I'm going to leave that scripture up there all, all morning as I preach until the very end. I'll end with one slide. Uh, so make sure you're taking notes. And if you want a copy of my notes, because I'm going to move kind of fast, feel free to email me this week. I'll get the copy for you. But I want to start with this short story of a childhood friendship. You see, growing up, my brother had a best friend. And this best friend had a name. His name was Cody. But more often than not, you would never hear them calling each other by that name. You would hear them calling each other by a very different name. A name which might make some of you cringe, especially with what goes on in society today. They would often call each other idiot. And as you would hear them talking on the street or when they meet up with one another, it would be, Hey, idiot! <laughs> hey, idiot! What are you doing today? Hey, idiot! You want to hang out? Hey, idiot! Let's go play some football! That was what my brother and his best friend said to each other constantly. You know, he had another nickname that I remember him by, and it was Candyman. Because this kid, Cody, idiot, he always had a bag of Skittles with him. He loved his Skittles. But you see, they were good friends, despite the name calling to each other as idiot. They did everything together. They even went on vacation to Florida together one time as, with my family, and Steve hung out with his family and did a lot of family activities with them. They went to church on occasion together as well. Um, they did everything together. But this, and this friendship still exists today as well, but on a different level as now they have families and life has, has drawn them into different cities, different parts of the, the state of Ohio. But despite the name calling, they knew that they cared deeply for one another, so deeply that they did not put up with each other, not living up to certain expectations. Hey, idiot, listen up. Hey, idiot, what are you doing? I know there's been a, several occasions where my brother Steve, if you know him, so this is the brother that's also a pastor in Ohio. This was his best friend. I know there's been several occasions where he would call his buddy, Cody, and he would say, hey, idiot, what are you doing with your life? You need to be putting God first. You need to be in church. You need to be remembering the grace of God, Jesus. So as I read this scripture this week, I was reminded of this childhood friendship. I, remember, I, I remembered Steve and Cody. I remembered how they always called each other idiot. Because as Paul is addressing these people in verse 1, he says, 
O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, kids, I want to make a very firm statement. I am not telling you to go home and start calling all of your friends idiot, okay? I just feel the spirit telling me to tell you that. Please, no name calling. But what I am saying is we see here in Galatians chapter 3 that Paul is being very direct, very blunt with these Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? This is some pretty strong name calling, you know, but I think it's like that childhood friendship. It wasn't without its reasoning. He deeply cared for these people. One author stated that Paul started addressing them with fire in his heart and fire in his pen as he wrote this letter. Because he cared deeply, but not so much for the people. He did care deeply for the people, but even more, Paul cared deeply for God. And he drew, he, he, Paul cared deeply about God's will. He cared deeply about the gospel of the cross. And it was pain for him, for him to see that anybody would be walking away from the gospel. Now, anybody would not be living according to God's ways, according to the new ways of grace, the ways which give us the full potential of God's love and the full potential to live as God wants us to live. It was painful for Paul to see these Galatians now walking away from grace and living according to the old ways, according to the way that these Judaizers, these, these false teachers were drawing them to. The reference to them being foolish may be because of a lack of intelligence, but more likely, it was a lack of obedience. He's saying, oh, foolish Galatians. They had the intelligence. They knew the truth. They had the knowledge of Christ, the grace of God. They had accepted Christ and were living new lives. But now they were not living in obedience to Christ. They're living in obedience to the old law instead. They're living in obedience to the ways that these Judaizers, these false teachers, were trying to tell them they should. They're falling back on old ways. And Paul here is trying to get their attention. Or possibly he, in the middle of a discussion, a lecture, or a debate, he starts to get really fired up and he calls them out with this phrase, Oh, foolish Galatians! Notice the exclamation mark. Who has bewitched you before before your eyes that Jesus Christ was pu publicly portrayed as crucified. Some translations say it a little bit differently. Most translations, I looked at like 20 different translations, most do say, oh foolish, Galatians. But one translation says, you stupid, Galatians. One translation says, you crazy, Galatians. You see, they were acting foolishly. They were acting stupidly. They were acting like idiots. Someone needed to walk up and to tell them, to say to them, hey, idiots, what do you think you're doing? And this would be Paul. Paul would be here to tell them, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Oh, foolish Galatians, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you living like this? You know better. They would have to be crazy to be acting in such a way. They needed some common sense knocked into them. And you know what? We all need this as well. Do we have a Paul in our life? Do we have a Cody in our life? Somebody who isn't afraid to say, Oh, foolish Bob. I don't think Bob's here today or not yet, so I can use his name. Oh, foolish Bob. Who has bewitched you? Why are you doing this? 
You're acting stupid. You're acting foolish. You're acting crazy. You're acting like an idiot. This isn't how God wants you to act. Sometimes we need this person as well. As we focus more on the lies that we hear each day from this world instead of the truth that we know from God's word. The truth we have seen and felt with our very own eyes. The truth that we've seen with a life that has been changed by the spirit entering our lives. But we get scared. And instead of looking to God, we look in other directions. We look to our old ways like these Galatians did. We struggle at times in life, and instead of remembering the presence that we have of God in our life, and that presence comforting us and giving us strength, we think we need to look elsewhere. We need a person in our life to remind us, don't look elsewhere. Don't be foolish. Remember the spirit inside of you. Remember your new life. Remember the grace that you've been given. Remember that that grace that's been given to you has been given to you by the Lord of all creation. The king of kings wants to know you. The king of kings wants to help you. You see, Paul was fired up. He just could not understand or comprehend what was happening before his very eyes. Maybe this happens to you too. You get so fired up over something that you start to lose your cool and you start maybe speaking some strong words. Maybe those words need to be said at some time. And maybe at other times... You say some, some things that you shouldn't say. We do need to be careful of our words. But Paul goes on. And he says, who has bewitched you? You see, Paul just could not understand how they could turn away from the truth that they knew to be true. Apparently, these Galatians were acting so opposite of either what they had before or of what Paul thought they should that he thought that for sure they must be under some type of spell. You know, I hear that word bewitched. Who has bewitched you? And I think of the old TV show that had that very same title. Maybe you remember the show. Maybe you never watched it, but maybe you just at least know of the show you bewitched. It was a show where Elizabeth Montgomery plays the part of a witch. A good and kind witch who wanted to leave the witch ways behind and live as a mortal human would. Against her, her mother's wishes, she moves into the human realm and buys a house. She meets a man whom she falls in love with, and eventually she marries him. The show follows this married relationship as she tries to live as a human. But more often than not, what you see in every episode, not that I've seen every episode, but you see her going back to her old ways, twitching that nose, what she was famous for, and using her magic, making things work out to her own desires instead of maybe how they were meant to be. What you would also see is a lot of times this bewitching would lead to getting herself into a lot of trouble or causing a lot of trouble for others. Now, I'm not recommending this TV show of Bewitched, and it's not true. None of this really happened. It's a fake, fictional TV show. But I am just looking to the idea behind the show of Bewitched. You see, Paul felt that these Galatians must have been bewitched. They must have been under a spell to have gone through such a change. Somebody must have twitched their nose and be making them act differently. Because how could they act so differently after knowing the truth of the gospel of grace, of salvation? How, how could they not be living according to Christ's ways, God's ways? How could these Galatians, whom he had taught, he had preached to, he had lived with for so long, 
be so easily and fast led astray. He says that it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Such a powerful statement. I think it was all because he was pretty fired up, you know. But he also makes that comment. It was before your eyes. It was before your very eyes. Some of them might have been eyewitnesses of the very act. Or at the very least, through their faith, their newfound faith in Christ, they have participated in that crucifixion. They were made new through Christ. They knew what it meant to have the grace, the salvation. And yet they were giving it all up. They were trying to go back to the old ways of the law. They knew the truth and they were turning away and God would do anything to get their attention. I don't believe they lost their salvation, but they were not living to the full potential that God willed for their lives. Because they were allowing themselves to be led astray by these false teachers, the Judaizers. God would use Paul because God knew that Paul would do anything for his flock, for these people, to prevent them from making such a grave mistake. A grave mistake indeed, as they were not following after Christ. And to not surrender your life to Christ, to not follow after him, leads you to nothing more than the grave. To death, eternal death. An eternal death in hell. But you see, God does not desire this. God loves us so much that he wants us to have life. Everlasting life with him in his heaven. He gives us grace, Jesus, the cross, the gospel to have a life and a relationship with him. With the God of all creation. So Paul moves on to verse 2. To continue with the thought of what they had seen, what they had heard, what they had learned and accepted by faith. And as Paul continues to try to desperately reach their sense of reason and persuade them to look to the truth, he says in verse 2, as before you, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing by faith? The Galatians were believed to be very intelligent people. So this should be a simple answer for them to hopefully knock some sense into them and hope to remember what they have already given what they've already done with their life, how they've participated in the gospel of grace, of salvation. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law and being such a good person that you earned it on your own accord? No. You earned the salvation through grace, through Jesus, through the cross. It is only by the grace of God that they were saved. It's only by the grace of God that we today are saved. By hearing with faith, having faith of the saving grace of God, which is that Jesus Christ lived and died on the cross, went to the grave, and resurrected, being victorious over sin. Paul here is pleading with them to use their brains. Think through what they are doing. Think through the choices that they're making. Look to the past, the recent past. Look to the past of them trying to live to the law. Look to a little further where they had faith. And they begun to allow the Spirit to work in their lives, to give them life. Paul pleads with them throughout this section of Scripture to do three things. One, he reminds them of the mercies of God. Remember the mercies of God. Number two, he reminds them of the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. So number two, always remember how the Holy Spirit is working in your life. And number three... He reminds them of the gift that the Father has given them. As we see throughout verses 1 through 5, 
Verses, verse 3 says this. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? If we and them were saved through faith, our lives began by the Spirit. How could we perfect our sin, ourselves by anything else? We can't. How could we add anything? We can't. It's plus nothing. There's nothing we can add to it. It's only by the grace of God. It's only by Christ Jesus. We must remind ourselves that we are not to live foolishly as the rest of the world. We are not of this world. We are not meant to live as the rest of the world. We are different. And you know what? That's okay. We need to stop being offended by this. We need to stop apologizing for this. I was just hearing one of our Sunday school teachers talking about that this morning, and you know who you are. Thank you. That she reminds people in her Sunday school that we don't need to be apologizing for our faith. We don't need to be offended by being different. If people think you're different, you can be excited for this because it tells you that you are living how God wants you to live. We should not be seen as the rest of this world. We should be seen as somebody that's living differently, living with hope of Jesus and living according to his ways. Being different, contrary to what some would want us to believe, is not a bad thing. It doesn't make sense to the world and sometimes to us, but it is the truth. John 15, 19 says this. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You, were, you will be made fun of. You were, will be persecuted. The world will hate you. But that's okay because your God loves you. And because you know that love. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We should be discerning. We should be testing. Is this the will of God? Am I living as not of this world, but as a saint, as a, as a participant in God's will, living according to his ways? And one more, Colossians 3, 2 says this. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. We are no longer of this world, so we must stop looking to the world. Stop acting like the world. Look to God. Live according to his ways and remember your faith in Christ. Remember Jesus. Remember the gospel of Jesus. Remember the cross. Remember, as Paul stated last week in our scripture, there is no longer I that live, but it's him who lives through me. Are we allowing him to live through us? Or if Paul was here today, would he be speaking to us like he did to the Galatians? Would Paul be saying, oh, you foolish Bloomer Baptist Church people. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You're acting like you're under a spell. You're not acting like you remember the grace of God. The life, death, burial, resurrection, it's, vic it's victory over your sins. It means something. Jesus is God's grace made into human form for us, and we must stop being like the foolish Galatians. Don't be these crazy, stupid, foolish Galatians. Don't be idiots. Remember the faith and remember the spirit inside of you. Let me read on. 
verses 3 through 5, says this. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by you hearing with faith? Our lives, spiritually, with God, begun with the Spirit. But that Spirit is also still inside of you. Your life should be different now. It should be different than the world. The more we look to God, the more our lives should look like God. It should look like Jesus. We should be setting our mind on things that are from above. And the more we're doing this, the more we're living as disciples of his and not disciples of the world. Our life should begin to bear fruit. In Matthew 7, we find this. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll recognize them by their fruit. Now that's a whole other sermon. There's a lot there. But here's the point I want you to see. If you are living a healthy spiritual life with God, you should be bearing good fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, either you're not living that healthy life with God, as you should, or maybe you need to look, do you really have a relationship with God? Without that relationship to God, you're never going to be bearing fruit. In fact, you're going to be bearing bad fruit. In fact, you're destined to hell to not have life. If you want to have life, which God desires for you to let have, you need to surrender to Christ. Surrender to God. Let him, let his grace cover you. Let his blood wash you clean. You see, Paul knows that the Galatians are not just balancing on the fence. They're not producing good fruit as they should. In fact, their lives are starting to produce bad fruit. And again, I'm not saying they're not saved, but what I'm saying is they're producing bad fruit as they're starting to lead others astray. As they're questioning their own faith or not living according in obedience to the new ways of grace, they're starting to lead other people away too. It all starts with one person. Are we leading people astray because we're not living in obedience to God's word? Paul pleads with them. Oh, foolish Galatians. Paul, in essence, is thinking... Don't you realize what you could have? God has given you so much. Ephesians 2, 19 to 21 says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We are, and they were, no longer strangers or aliens. They were not of this world. They were fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do you get that? You may be different than this world, but that is okay. Because you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. 
You're a children of God, and he wants you to be by his side. He wants you to live, live in obedience to his commands, his word, because he knows that that is how you live to the full potential that he created you to live by. The problem with the Galatians was not just a lack of common sense or knowledge. It was a lack of living according to the faith that they had proclaimed. They were doing the unthinkable or the unreasonable. This was Paul's charge to them. Oh, foolish Galatians. He was charging them with doing the unthinkable. For they knew the joy and the freedom of God's grace working or operating in their lives. And then they started to give it all up. They were surrendering what they had, which was glorious freedom, to give in to the bondage of the law. They were living like a sports car operating on all cylinders, but then they went to the gas station. Instead of using racing fuel, they put in regular economy-grade fuel, and it started to contaminate the engines. It started to bog it down. It started to damage their lives. As long as we're allowing sin into our life, we're going to be damaging our life. God does not want us to live damaged life. He wants to live, us to live full to, to the full potential that he created us to live. And that is by living in a full relationship with him, being healthy and bearing fruit. We need the spirit to work in our lives. We need to allow the spirit to work. We need to look to the spirit too. We should be in cooperation with the spirit. Not like two pilots of the same vehicle or the same aircraft trying to fly in different directions and ultimately just fighting for the will and crashing and burning. But we need to be working together. Most importantly, we need to let him lead. We need to let God lead in our life. Don't be foolish. Paul said in the last chapter we studied that it's no longer him that lives, but Christ lives in him. We must look to this divine figure that's living in our life. Look to him for guidance. Look to him for power. Allow the presence of God to be seen by all people around you. Look to the many spiritual gifts that we're blessed with and use them. Not for our own glory, but for his. And as I start to close, I want to leave you with a few questions. And a strong statement that you may not like to hear, but I think is important to live up to. Number one question is this, and it's simple. Are you being foolish? Not living in obedience to God and his grace. Are you forgetting that you have been saved by grace and not by your works? Do you need someone to walk up to you and be a Paul? Someone to call you foolish, stupid, crazy, or bewitched to snap you out of it? Because if so, here I am. But more importantly, here God is using Galatians 3 to remind you, don't be foolish. Don't be bewitched. Remember the crucifixion of Christ. Remember how the Spirit begun a new work in you, a new life in you. Number two, is your life producing fruit? Good fruit. Number three, are you living for God? Are you looking up to Him? Are you setting your mind on the things that are above more than you're setting your mind on the things that are below? You see, throughout the history of the church and Christianity, some believers have begun well. But later, they pulled away from the truth they first believed. They were bewitched and led astray. They received the gospel of salvation of grace and lived for the Lord in humble faith. But then they fell victim 
They fell prey to false teachers and struggles of life. They allowed Satan to draw them away from God instead of allowing this life to make them draw closer to him. May this not be you. Here is that strong statement I told you I want to end with, and then the worship band is welcome to come back up and end us in song. Don't be an idiot. Remember your faith. Oh, foolish Galatians, don't be like the Galatians. Don't be stupid. Don't be crazy. But remember your faith. Don't look to the ways of the world, but set your mind on the things of above. We are saved by his grace. Remember that grace. Plus nothing, there is nothing we can add to it. Surrender to the grace of God. And let's worship him together now. Let me pray as poor Brian closes us in song. Lord God, we thank you for this grace that you've given us. And Lord, we just look to your word today in Galatians chapter 3. May we not be foolish. May we not be idiots, but may we remember your faith. May we remember the faith that we have in you. May we remember Jesus. May we set our mind on the things above and remember that it's okay to be different. 